The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Patch of Land. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is Janice Schechter-Lintz, who is the founder of Hearing Access and Innovations. She's responsible for getting the uh, hearing aid access devices in all of the taxis in uh, New York City. So, Janice, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Tell us just quickly the story of how you got the uh, the devices in the taxis. Well, when I, um, I guess starting with my daughter has a hearing loss. And when she was diagnosed with a hearing loss, I was immediately told everything she couldn't do rather than what she could do. And I was unwilling to be part of what I call this parade of misfit toys. So I decided it was easier to change the world than to change me. And... My family is our big travelers, and so we travel around the world, and when we do, I saw bits and pieces of access in certain countries, but not in other countries, and there was no consistency or rhyme or reason for why one country had access in its taxis like the United Kingdom, and yet New York did not, but then one country would have a, a different type of access. So when I saw it in the taxis in London, I thought, why not New York? And so I contacted um, the Royal, then known as the Royal National Institute for the Deaf, now known as Hearing Action on Hearing Loss. They put me in touch with um, the taxi company, and I got the drawings and brought it to Mayor Bloomberg and the Tax and Limousine Commission and said, why don't we have it? And because I had the drawings from London, I was able to show proof of concept and that it was already accomplished. So it really facilitated the entire process much quicker. Yeah, that's well, it still took nine years. Well, you gave us three great tips for changing the world. And the, the first tip you gave was don't be afraid to ask for what you need. Tell us about how you've employed that. I think most people are afraid to ask what they need. Now, for right. my case, it was much easier because it's for my daughter. So it's not about me, but for my child. And who could fault a parent for asking what their child needs? But I have found consistently that people are afraid to speak up. And there is no shame telling people what you need. Most people don't know. And so it's not that they don't offer it or whatever it is that they just don't know. And you have to ask. So I routinely contact museums, theaters, corporations, government agencies, and tell them the access that my daughter needs and then explain it to them very clearly. So it's not a rant or a whine, but it's here's how to do it. Because ranting and whining is irritating, but explaining specifically what you need and clearly and making it as turnkey as possible, that provides them an easy-to-accomplish solution. Yeah, that, that's a, a powerful lesson. Now, the second tip you gave us was to develop an elevator pitch. Tell us about how you've used an elevator pitch to good effect. Well, everybody wants to know what do you do, and they want it succinctly. Because nobody wants to listen. They're overloaded. We are all way too busy. So you have to explain to somebody 
what your problem is in a soundbite as short and sweet as possible. And the best way to learn this is from politicians because they have to communicate their message very quickly. And in fact, um, my soundbite message or elevated pitch was developed by a political um, people who were trying to recruit people to help campaign for a politician. They helped me when I attended a meeting. They helped me after I sat through their meeting. I said, okay, that's great. Now can you help me with mine? And they were happy to assist me. So when someone asked, what do I do? I help to remove artificial barriers that prevent people who are deaf and hard of hearing from living the life to the fullest. Very clear and succinct. And I think people, that's the most important thing is make it as short and snappy as possible. Uh, that's interesting. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that insight. Now, your third tip was to leverage your success. And, and that, that really is a novel idea, but I think a powerful one. How have you done that? Well, when you have no budget, you have to really understand how to be successful with no money. And by doing that, so every time you have a success, you have to think, where can you use that success somewhere else? So, for example, in New York City, I use New York City as a model of access. So once I had, let's say, the subway information booths that had the access, then I looked to other markets. Where can we expand um, hearing access in other subways, rail, transit? Then how do we, if we do it in transit, why not taxis? The same thing. Or if we get it in one museum, why not other museums? So if you look at the museums in New York City, you'll see all the museums pretty much along Museum Mile all have the access. And then you take that same access and then you look to other markets. And it's not just, okay, and I only work, tried in the beginning to work with brand recognizable brand names because they carry cachet. And it's much easier to leverage the success. But if you work, for example, at Lincoln Center, then you can work with another opera house. And so I did. I worked with the Starvinos Foundation and the new opera house in Athens will have the same hearing access because we had, were already starting to accomplish this in New York City. And then the same, if you look at the Museum of Natural History we were, and the New York Historical Society, we were able to leverage that success in Pittsburgh at the Heinz History Museum. So you can take one market and leverage it. So you can go across, let's say, the category, let's say museums, or specifically, for example, for in this case, history museums, natural history, you can look markets. And, you know, you create it. So, for example, if you work, you know, it could be amusement parks. It could be one country to another country. Um, so I've worked when I've seen access in Boots Pharmacy in London. I then contacted one of their subsidiaries, Walgreens, and said, okay, if you've got it in London, why not here in the United States for Walgreens or Dwayne Reed? And that's how we accomplish the access. It's by always looking what does this mean and how can you spread it and looking multiple categories? Cause you want to make each bang, get a lot of, you want to get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. Great, great tips. Now I, I want to just tap into your personal insights for a minute, uh, Janice. You've obviously become uh, quite a role model to a lot of people, especially in the uh, uh, deaf community, but tell us who you look up to, who inspires you. 
actually look to a lot of people. I call it the marketplace of basket of ideas. I don't have just one person. I look because within, um, in fact, I wrote an article about this. There isn't a great leader in the disability community. There hasn't been someone like a Nelson Mandela because um, the disabilities are fragmented and there just hasn't been anyone because of barriers. So I look to incredible leaders like Nelson Mandela. I look to Martin Luther King. So I look in other, I'll look at Harvey Milk. I will look at other civil rights issues and see what are they doing unbelievably and how can I use it in my own um, life. So for example, Congressman Lewis, who was one of the leaders in the Selma March, he told me, you have to make people uncomfortable. So sometimes that's what I do. Or I look to, um, to Dr. Sachs from the Earth Institute in New York, and he said to create a model in New York and then spread it out. So I look to innovative and outside my silo. I think that's been one of the most helpful things is looking for leaders in other silos and saying, what did you do and how can I do it with mine? Because there aren't leaders. So we have to create new leaders. That's a great, great, uh, great insight. Now, tell us a little bit more. You, you mentioned that your uh, daughter is deaf uh, or hard of hearing. Um, how did you feel then uh, responsible to change the world for her? I mean, a lot of people have deaf family members and don't decide to change the world. They decide to help their family members. Uh, what motivated you to take that on? Well, my daughter, who's hard of hearing, um, it was very selfish. My daughter, we live in New York. It's impossible to not enjoy the cultural um, activities in New York City. And so in the beginning, it started, she wanted to go to religious school because she couldn't hear. And I thought, well, nice try. Every, every kid is trying to get out of religious school. Not going to happen. And when I changed it at her religious school, I realized, why not try at the theaters? And so I contacted a theater organization who I learned had already been investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office. So they were going to be more receptive to listen to me. And then once I was successful with them, I moved on to other places. And it really became more about our family, of what places bothered me. And it was never supposed to be work or a program. It was more, how do we go to the theater? How do we go to museums? How do we go to the national parks? And I would just complain. In some sense, I became a professional complainer. Um, and change things along the way, and everyone else benefited. And along the way, I realized I developed skills and was becoming very effective, and then I started getting appointed press and articles, and I think my professors started explaining to me, you need to raise your visibility because you can do a lot more with a lot less work if you raise your visibility. Hence, this interview will help. Yeah, that's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that story of how you transitioned from uh, – a concerned mother to an activist. That really is a powerful story. Now, you've given us some great insights already, but we ask everyone who comes on the show to give us an impact hack, one tip that would allow us to do more good. Do you have one more idea for us? Yes. I think the most important thing as an advocate is integrity. I have seen more advocates undermine themselves by looking like they have their hand out. What can you get for free? I saw that when I worked with Yankee Stadium and people attending were really there, a lot of them, 
not all of them, but a lot of them, to get free tickets to go to the Yankee game. I was there to get the access in. And because I wouldn't accept a free ticket when I was working as an advocate, I ended up getting more done for that, let's say, $100 ticket because I turned down the free. And I think that's really important. When I work as an advocate, I never take a free cookie. I always say I never take a free cookie, no free lunch, no anything. You cannot give me anything because it would undermine my integrity. I need to be able to speak out and people need to rely on what I'm saying is accurate and not swayed by what I'm getting for free. And I think that simple little thing has really, people know you cannot buy me, you cannot own me. And because there's no money coming to me on my advocacy, I can't be fired. So I speak the truth. And as long as you speak the truth and accurately, you can get a lot more done. And I think most people overlook that because they are looking for the free. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Great, great insights. Well, uh, Janice, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the show. And we, uh, but before you go, we want to have you tell us how people can learn more about your work and connect with you personally. This is my website, Information and Details. And um, my website is hearingaccess.com. My personal website is janiceblintz.com for my advocacy work. My company, this hearingaccess.com is my professional website. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Hearing Access and Innovations. And I hope to hear from people. Fantastic. Janice, thank you very much for being with us today. We, we wish you every success in your efforts to make the world more accessible. Thank you so much for having me, Devin. I really appreciate it. This was wonderful. All righty. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC, providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. Patch of Land is the leader in real estate crowdfunding with a mission to provide real estate entrepreneurs with easy access to capital from thousands of investors who want to invest in the revitalization of American neighborhoods. Patch of Land is building wealth and growing communities. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding.
To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.